Make sure there's enough tiramisu on the plate to deal with the celery stick. That's what Sriharsha Majeti had to say about energy management that builds for career success. Welcome to the Leapdart Club podcast, fireside chats with industry leaders across domains. In this session, we hear from Harsha, the co-founder and CEO of Swiggy. From curbing complexity that comes with scale to the power of replication to defining what culture really is, Harsha shares his experience founding and scaling Swiggy, one of India's fastest unicorns. Stay tuned as Harsha gets into the grit of it all in this conversation with Ragini Das, co-founder at Leapdart Club. warm welcome everyone thank you so much for joining us this very late thursday evening we're super excited to kick start this session with none other than sri harsha majeti who i can't see on screen right now harsha uh, he is the ceo and co-founder at swiggy harsha is known to make very very rare appearances as you can see <laughs> so we're absolutely stoked to have him here today um a very quick there he is a very quick fun fact is that Harsha and I actually go way back, all the way to early 2015, when Swiggy was, I think, just a team of three. And uh, I think my loyalties back then kept me put in Zomato, but life does always come a full circle. Today, he's an investor, an active cheerleader, and now a speaker at Club. So thank you so much for agreeing to do this for us, Harsha. And Welcome officially to Leave That Club. Hey, thanks, thanks, Ragni. Um, very, very excited to be here, all of you. Um, I think when Ragni first talked about the initiative of Leap itself, I was super excited. I never met her, but I'd been seeing a lot of the activity on LinkedIn, social, and I was like, okay, there goes a very refreshing idea whose time has absolutely come, and that I that got me really excited, and you know, I was figuring out excuses to be. Uh, a very, very small part of the story. And thank you for letting me in. And uh, I'm very excited to talk about my life experiences and hope you find some of it useful. All of it. Uh, we're very excited for the next 60 minutes. But in classic Club style, we're going to actually get started with a very quick game of rapid fire, just to get to know you a little bit better, Harsha. Um, and of course, then we'll kind of dive into the journey, the learnings, and of course, all the struggles that kind of come with it. I know you're really looking forward to this one. So I'm ready whenever you are. Right, let's do it. Perfect. Early stage building or building at scale? Early stage building. Biryani or curd rice? Biryani. Always. <laughs> work from home or work from office? Or should I say go up? Work from anywhere. Uh, Bangalore or Goa? Goa. Hustle or slow living? Considering you've done both. I think you need both. You Only one won't cut it for me. You need the balance. You both add to each other. Vacations or work-free vacations? Uh, always on. So I, I have a pretty bad answer for this. There's no such a thing <laughs> when you're building a company, when you're taking your mind off things. But yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of vacations. Um, so maybe vacations. And likewise, early mornings or late nights? Early mornings. You? Yeah. yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, everyone, if I can just request you all to be on mute while we walk through the session and we'll ask you to unmute and ask a question at the right time. What's the one misconception about building a company? Hmm. that that you have all the answers no actually there aren't too many that come to mind actually maybe one misconception is that uh, given there are enough successful stories in history is written on this I find you know close to home there are so many examples where people underestimate the 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 number of pivots or trials you have to go to before you find success. For example, for my co-founder Nandan, this was his fourth or fifth 
experiment before it turned into larger than an experiment and yet wow. it is lost most startups eventually seem like overnight successes yeah. but yeah very very hard yeah no i think sugar is another great example as well and of course with swiggy there was bundle and we'll talk about that but what's the most ridiculous question you've been asked about building swiggy ridiculous question maybe <clears throat> did you originally want to build an alcohol delivery startup oh no free food then no actually we we did run alcohol for a, all of a day in bangalore along with food before wise oh, wow. friends told me if i wanted to be out building this instead of in somewhere then <laughs> just go back to doing only food a wise choice i must say um but thank you so much for being rapid uh, i'm sure everyone's dying to get into the meat of the session so members we're going to open the floor to your questions in just a bit please keep them coming on the chat box and we'll pick them up as we go for now actually harsha let's start with your story what was it like you know of course your journey from i am calcutta to london to of course the backpacking trip Uh, which was on a cycle uh, from portugal to greece from what i hear to of course then starting bundle which of course was solving for a very particular problem and then kind of pivoted to swiggy uh would love for you to kind of talk us through all the pivots and you spoke about how it takes many pivots to kind of get there so yeah. we'd love to hear all about that both awesome. from a personal and professional point of view awesome cool so for me my pivots aren't so many in startup pivots i i guess i lucked out maybe within a year or 15 months we found swiggy i found swiggy for nandan it was a different story so for me my pivots were mostly about uh, what i wanted to do with my career and what i wanted to do for a living i actually uh, grew up in a business family in vijayawada where no one in any previous generation did anything but building a business out for themselves but it was barely obvious because it was still a lifestyle business a smaller um setup it limited to vijayawada so i somehow never got excited about the idea of building a business organically if anything i said i must explore everything else before i decide that this is what i do uh and to that end like i first went to bitspilani and uh, i had a long series of trial and uh, error and elimination before actually arriving here in bits actually grew a huge huge fascination for movies like most of us with all the time we didn't have attendance and uh, actually at the time we didn't have all, any ott etc so we just had our hard disk and one of my life's missions then was to finish the imdb 250 for bitspilani so i just took train journeys to a bunch of iits who i knew the missing parts of the puzzle and try to piece it all in together and when um, when i had to like graduate from pilani i actually didn't have that many exciting job offers or like i didn't even sit for placements because i couldn't get excited about what came next in that path and um, in the final year i actually chose to take a thesis which wasn't doing a lot in pilani but uh, actually stayed in delhi for 6 months and i took up some courses in videography and filmmaking and i said hey this is probably what my calling is i need to explore this fully within 3 4 months i definitely realized that the world was better off without me behind the camera and uh, then there went one option for sure the next one was um, in the build up i actually then had a gap year that's when my first backpacking trip started at what was just out of college with the internship money i spent 2 months traveling in southeast asia alone for the first time then basically <clears throat> in that gap year on a friend's recommendation picked up the cfa course i really got excited by the theory and i was told that hey you can practice this theory be in an international location make money that's the dream so i said okay great i got into i yeah yeah so and then i was pretty uh, stubborn about wanting there was a choice luckily got an internship got a full time job there and um, at that time again you know london was an amazing city still my favorite city in the world and as luck would have it i found a great um, desk and a great boss in the trading uh, floor at uh, london 
and uh, my my boss was 26 27 years old but was already earning like you know super successful trader uh, on the street and he was so full of passion and was so possessed about the work and i could see the energy with which he came into work um, for what he did and not many did and it was also a fragile time for banking in general and that's when i actually got a realization saying this people with so much passion coming in doing this and I think I've gotten the perfect experiment and uh, I didn't feel that same level of possessed this thing about it. And then I said, then I'm just wasting my time here trying to um, pass time, maybe spend a few more years. I really need to be stubborn and find something that I will be possessed by so that it improves my chances of being good at it. The, that is the base, this thing, right? So that's when I, within six months, I decided that I wasn't going to be um, the banker and uh, decided to save up by working for another six months with the year's savings. I said, okay, now there have been enough pivots, maybe a gap year already. I need to figure out um, what next by going back home because London with the visa, it was never going to be easy to find jobs that you liked. Yeah. And I didn't know what lay back home. I thought I was either going to join an early stage startup where if I, people I knew were building something interesting uh, or do something myself if that was the last option available. Um, and I said, okay, this probably is the time to commit myself to something more serious. Travel is a big passion. So why don't I spend another six months uh, traveling and then come back, uh, you know, with full energy to last for a long time. And that's when I'd already traveled for four or five months abroad uh, by myself, backpacking across Southeast Asia, Latin America, and this time I wanted to do something different. And uh, I said, okay, let me experience the slow living, like you said. So there are those parts. So I think I'm like on borderline type A, type B, where <laughs> you can go hours and days not doing anything. I've had two and a half years of break in my life where I wasn't doing anything, got my mom very concerned. And then there are flashes like these that take her by surprise saying, you know, what the hell is this? That this guy is sometimes like up to nothing, contributing not a paisa to the GDP. And then like suddenly actually doing something meaningful. So, no uh, yeah. so I think um, at that time, so I said, uh, let me do something different. Maybe the slow living means that I actually want to not visit the city circuit and go through the countryside. And I thought a nice way to do it would be to do it by cycle. I met a friend four, four five years earlier who'd done it and raved about it. I'd never done cycling since like eighth, ninth class. But uh, I practiced for a week and put myself on the road in August in Portugal, like at 40, 45 degrees centigrade. I didn't prepare for it. Oh, so it was a, a very bad planner that way. And uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, after a lot of bumpy starts, basically really, really loved that part of it. Maybe that's one of the most character defining parts of my journey. Just really out of your comfort zone, languages that you don't speak in a lot of places, in the countryside especially. And um, just welcomed by the amazing hospitality of the folks living in these towns and just looking at the things that they prioritize and care deeply for. So that was a very, very different experience from the, let's say, rather cookie cutter engineering, MBA, banking, where I, that's as cookie cutter as it gets. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I guess that was super interesting. And as I was doing this travel, then Naturally, I thought about, hey, I want to do something next and uh, why don't I mix my biggest passion and uh, maybe my career. And uh, as I was finishing my trip, I kind of decided that I was going to get into the travel business. And my first idea was to set up a backpacker hostel chain. Uh, nothing like it existed. Um, even today, there are backpacker hostel chains, but we wanted to build something a little bit more uh, different, like the ones that... Um, there's some really successful versions out there. So I came back, again, bummed for three months and went to Pushkar, uh, which I used to visit a lot from Pilani, and then okay. said, okay, I'm going to set up a hostel here. This is going to be my first branch. And then basically uh, spent a month and a half, almost signed the lease and then developed cold feet for reasons I couldn't explain to myself at the time. But that was the type A person speaking because the type A part wanted uh actually to be able to learn a lot from the people that you're uh, working with what i realized is that if this is going to be a small lifestyle business it has a natural rate, rate limiter on if you're able to cross paths with uh the, you know, the smartest people uh, who you can learn from and uh, 
I, I, I basically then just canned the idea and came back again without a plan B. Uh, and then started talking to Nandan, my co-founder, who, as I mentioned, he was failing away at three, four startups already. And uh, I then said, okay, do it once more with me. Let's figure out where this goes. And uh, one thing led to another and we got excited by e-commerce, which was super early at the time in 2013. And we wanted to pick a shovel for the gold rush because we naively thought all the consumer opportunities in commerce were taken. So one thing led to another and we built Pundle. And uh, within nine months, we got some early traction, which could have been very misleading. But luckily, we just felt like we wouldn't be able to build a super large opportunity for the opportunities cost we had. But because it was a logistics uh, business, we just started getting excited by how underserved end consumers were at the time because of the existing systems or existing customer obsession. And then we said, why don't we think about like a logistics um, offering that uh, uses technology to give great experience to uh, the end consumers. And one thing led to another and Swiggy happened. That's, that's the broad story. It was hardly obvious. And uh, one thing led to another. I'm, I'm very, very glad. And I talk about this a lot about this wandering because today I have like very few regrets, but I felt like I tried everything. I have no, what if I did this? What if I did that? Um, you know, having a family that was reasonably well off meant that I could take these risks. I'm so grateful for yeah. it because I could take the swings that I did. Privilege. No, for sure. I agree. Uh, but in hindsight, just, just, you know, to double click on bundle a little bit, of course, shutting bundle in hindsight was the best idea, but how did it feel at the moment? Because it's still at some point your baby, right? Uh, whether it's nine months, 11 months or 11 years. So, well, I mean, it wasn't a living thing yet. It's, it was a super small. It was just me and Nandan uh, working on it. So there was really not much of a loss felt about it. There were, for me, there was a lot more excitement saying, okay, let's quickly figure out what comes next. I was still very fresh in my exploration journey. So... Uh, I know Nandan, it wasn't easy for him because he was uh, saying that, okay, probably I'm now done and I need to look for a, um, a job. But yeah. we luckily managed to convince him saying, let's just give this six months. And if it doesn't, then I'll join you where, and, you know, we'll both look for jobs. Sometimes it's just uh, nothing works until it suddenly does or it doesn't. Yeah. The game is so, uh, it's the odds are just so crazy that... Uh, yeah, it's everything, a lot still comes down to right time, right place, all of this. Time always. Yeah. But we have lots of founders, uh, of course, who are joining us today, Harsha. Um, yeah. What is something that you wish people knew before starting up? Or, you know, let me reverse that. What is something that you wish you knew before starting Swiggy? Um, I think... Uh, what I didn't know was how much complexity there would be in the business that we would run. When you're, a, when you're imagining a business as a consumer, we, I also imagined it just like consumers do. Yeah, like it's not complex. It is just you have a guy, he needs to go to a restaurant and then he needs to pick up and deliver. Uh, but it is magical when you think of it from you know, a consumer uh, standpoint. But once you get into the hood and figure out, oh God, how much... Does it take, it really takes a toll. It's a three-way marketplace. You have to get so many human beings to work together. Yeah. A consumer, there's a restaurant operator, a couple of them there, there's the delivery partner, then a, a customer care folks. Like The number of humans that come together for one order in food delivery is the highest compared to any other business I can think of. Yeah. And it's not even like some one lakh rupee order, right? It's, we're discussing 400 rupees and so many humans involved. So I had no idea that it was going to be this complex when I started. Yeah, but it's a start, right? Like I was hearing another interview that you did and he hasn't done too many. So there was barely any research I could do. Like I no. found two, but uh, I, I also remember at one point you said that you were literally going to restaurants in Kuramangla and typing the menu card out on yeah. an Excel sheet and that yeah. hit home. Uh, and I feel like it, start, it has to start, right? Like there is always a day one and um, I was telling Rachna and Reena that it takes a decade to build and to get here. Uh, but let's actually talk about that post PMF world and of course all the complexity and challenges that kind of come with it. Uh, when did you know that it was time to diversify, right? Because 
Instamar and Genie are of course household names. Like my mom's on the call. She is an she's a full user, right? Like from back in the day. But what were the hits and misses that were a part or were the stepping stone for you to kind of get to where maybe no, these two businesses are today? No, so actually the answer is it was uh, it was a realization on day one. The reason we call things swiggy and not some food thing or delivery thing because we were because like i said the origin of swiggy wasn't that there were two bachelors who suddenly said hey like we're hungry now we need a food delivery startup yes that happened but first we felt that we came through the logistics hammer and then we were looking for nails and then we said yes this problem does exist so let's start um, with this we face it often enough so for us even on day one i think our thinking was uh beyond food it was the excitement about an urban logistics infrastructure but uh, urban logistics infrastructure is very inside out that's how you define what you're doing but i think within 3 years we found the definition for that so it was always on the back of our mind that this will go beyond but in the first 3 years we just said okay like uh, there's lots of uh, competition and world wars all of that happening in food uh so we just said anyways we we started something at least do let's do reasonable justice to it before doing other things uh and in these 3 years a lot of people asked us hey harsha you a food business or a logistics business and i would yeah. brush it away saying maybe a bit of both but i think when we found the articulation it was around this convenience uh, game so swiggy's mission is elevating the quality of life for urban consumers by delivering unparalleled convenience so i think really that convenience part even though it wasn't articulated was always a part of oh. what got us excited how can you make things less uh, or what more hassle free and you know give people a lot of time and energy and you know to do whatever they want taking the puppy to the park or like maybe just chilling and watching netflix or like just doing some deep work whatever it is so we feel like that is the superpower that swiggy gives how can we help consumers live it up while you know we help them with the little lifts in their life convenience yeah yeah makes sense uh but just just adding to that right and of course uh, like i said like the the journey from when you start to pmf is very long uh and i'm sure like the team also kind of grew a lot right so how how like when did you know it was time to trust the team to execute and when do you know it's time for you to not be in the trenches anymore cuz like i know i struggled with it a lot right like when do i go hands off and when do i be hands on so would love to hear your thoughts no so actually for as long as i can remember when when it was just the two of us uh there was nobody to even delegate things to so that was easy so we just did everything including you know like yeah like you mentioned filling out the physical menu into excel sheets for the catalog but soon as people came and then we realized that uh, okay this thing needs to scale this doesn't work maybe it's also our persona i think uh, we are uh, i mean i am also uh, huge on uh, actually delegation and like letting people who probably will do this better than you because i didn't consider myself a specialist anyway so i felt like doing anything specialist will actually be a pretty terrible idea uh, so from month 6 actually i had uh, uh, hands off as my mode and that is also very energizing so all kinds of uh, these styles work i think for us this is the style that you know we like to just get you know great people and tell them to go run with it and help them while they're at it so you get in the trenches when you know things are really in the dark red and they're starting to create future issues but um, yeah it's literally that, that the default status for us at least as uh, founders is hands off hands trust off. trust but verify i think the mistakes that probably we made earlier on but in the beginning we actually had we always had a solid talent density in the company which meant that uh, you know trust without verifying also worked very well but as you scale then you need to add the verify to your toolkit and just plain trust uh, doesn't that's doesn't that's work so that's the one change i'm making saying okay if i am who i am how can i ensure you know we increase the company's chances of succeeding just for me the biggest toolkit has been verifying yeah no that's super helpful you spoke about great people and i know a lot of early swiggy employees are still with swiggy right um which brings me to my favorite question it's the c word culture 
Hmm. How do you ensure the company culture is aligned with your mission and your values? And do you think Swiggy has it all? Like, in in which case, what's the key? If not, where are we falling short? Gotcha. Cool. So I think uh, definitely work in progress. Everyone is in a work in progress. So I think it would be super. Uh, yeah, super snobbish to say anyone's done. For us, I think uh, I think we we do it decently well. So if we have we have like eleven Swiggy values, we split them into the being values, the thinking values, and the acting values. And I would say maybe out of eleven, I think we're incredibly consistent in maybe seven uh, across many many levels. A lot more often than not. And in the other three four, I'll say we have they are still like aspirational. and the north star and fewer pockets than more actually just treated as a way of life at least on the being values i feel like we are hugely consistent like be humble is a is a it's an example of a value where you you will always people even in, who interview um with us go away with those uh, clear clarity saying okay i think it's super um yeah sorted on that aspect i think the way we do it, it it's not a super i think the most effective and efficient way is to one hire people who have the same set of values at the leadership level because they are setting the tone on a daily basis of course we do everything else like putting them on walls putting them on pillars putting them on you know uh, sleep uh, sleep mode laptop screens and stuff like that but those are all the additions and you know the icing on the cake but the cake is really uh, hiring people who resonate with these values and really uh, acting by these on a daily basis actually it's really really easy i feel to get to that 6 to 7 on 10 mark yeah when you have to be religious about hiring for these at the leadership level because they are going to make choices about the next rank so as long as that is sorted the top 100 folks in a large co are operating by that tenet you're a lot more sorted than not yeah no i think we talk talk about culture dna a lot and i think we of course learned it two years into building leap uh, but when do you think is the right time for and we have lots of early stage founders second time founders late stage founders when do you think it's the right time to actually start prioritizing culture uh, because there are lots of things that happen in year one right so is this something that you say is day one priority or you figure on the go no i mean if i had to do it all over again i'd have it on day one and then iterate i think people take culture as being a static to religiously we've changed our values once in the 8 9 years and that to like a year and a half back but if your company is a work in progress your cultures with a certain level of uh, creative liberty like you can keep pending down how this changes but a starting point of view i think i should have had on day one even if it was just saying this is the one value that i start with i don't have eight uh today going back i know no matter what business we build i'll take four along with me if i had to do a new thing and yeah. then the rest i'm going to figure out in a way that makes this business successful but uh, i am top four though which are your top four uh, so my top four are i mean mostly it's the being values that Uh, will be consistent no matter yeah. we go it's be humble always be curious always be learning that's the second one and uh, be honest display the highest levels of integrity and by honest it is not just about uh, you know doing the right thing or being a good citizen but it's also take many many opportunities to have direct honest conversations about how you feel yeah. uh, and not just you know moral compass etc so those are i guess areas those are the three values that will take wherever Well, thank you for being so candid about that. Uh, we'll actually now delve a little bit into learnings and struggles, and we have lots of questions on the chat box. Uh, also about that, let me actually start with what would you do differently in the early stages of building Swiggy, knowing what you do today. So, anything you would change from year one, year two? Like, I think the culture part probably I would have. Yeah. We started. doing this like in year 2 or between 2 to 2 and a half years i think going back we could have still done it even earlier i think the second thing maybe i'll get a head of finance earlier that that costed uh, a lot of heartburn 
Yeah. So, <laughs> and even head of HR. Yes, 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 all that. Yeah. All that fun stuff. So we had a lot of uh, in on paper agreements for commissions, but the money never came. Mm. It's because we didn't have these systems to even like check at the time. Because we just went from one zone to six cities in like seven months. So it was a blitz scaling phase and stuff was happening before we could realize what was going on. Just to keep the service up and running uh, was just uh, such a such a hard uh, yeah. crucible thing. So yeah. You've got to prioritize. No, I, I think I fully agree. And I think most uh, first time founders will agree as well. But you know, I think you spoke about people a lot and I, I want to double click on people and talent and all of that as well. How do you approach uh, building and scaling teams today at Swiggy and um, what's what's the mantra to attract and retain top talent? And of course, we all know the last, not just the last couple of months and weeks, but I think the last couple of years have been tough overall, right? Like it's been a up and down and up and down. Um, but yeah, everyone talks a lot about what they get right, uh, and which is what we spoke about a couple of weeks back. But what are the what are the mistakes? Let me just say that um, that you made while building your team, and how did you kind of overcome it, and are you still overcoming it? Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, probably the biggest thing that hit us hard, and one of my biggest mistakes was probably underestimating the amount of complexity uh, that gets created when you scale um, too fast. Yeah. Because just on one side, like there was a year. Uh, in our later journey, maybe 2018, 19, etc. And it was still a small enough group. We were doing what, 300,000 orders a day or something. Uh, and suddenly we went to um, many more cities than we went to like doing a million and a half orders or something. And then during that journey, while we got some more leaders, we just assumed that the existing mechanisms with more people would serve as okay for the next phase. But uh, when things expand at the pace that they do, if you don't, um, as the CEO, obsess over reigning in complexity to make it easy enough for work to get done, uh, even the smartest of people, and sometimes smarter people find it even hard uh, to, na to navigate. And I think it just made the ease of getting business done very, very low in that time. So for me, I now watch out a lot for complexity than um, ever before. It's a very hidden cost, doesn't get talked about like an income, like a line item in an income statement. But uh, once you go through it, you just realize that shit with all the good intentions, you got the right people, you got the capacity, but if you don't have the mechanisms to rein in complexity, then uh, it is a big, big struggle. And it saps the energy out of the folks who are the most driven and want to you know, drive impact. So yeah. it works in like very cascading ways if you don't take care of it. Cool. Uh, the questions on the chat box are buzzing. So I'm actually going to uh, pick a couple of them. Vishwani, you have a question on personal ambitions versus in investor ambitions. I'd love for you to unmute and ask your question. Fun fact, Vishwani was on the founding team at Leap.club and she used to host these sessions and today the tables have turned and here I am. Awesome. But Vishwani, yes, please go ahead and ask your question. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I actually just always wondered and especially with, um, you know, Swiggy, how is, you obviously have personal ambitions, right? With the company, with your co-founders, what you want. And then there's investors. So right. how do you manage that very... It is a complex dynamic, so I'd love to hear your insight and how do you deal with it? When you say personal ambition, it is for the company, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like your roadmap and what you have in mind for Swiggy versus your investors. Right. No, I think I've been incredibly lucky. I don't hear that a lot from my peer group, or at least from the um, set of investors we've had. And it's not like you always chose everyone. It's a... It's a business that takes cash and we magically managed to get money from folks who were uh, very, very uh, okay about it. I think uh, it's not as if it's all super friendly and it's a family vibe. Like, in fact, if anything, the thing that has helped us be aligned more often than not is that intellectual honesty in the boardroom or even outside. 
so i just said that you know i am probably one of my worst critics so you can't make me feel bad so please go ahead and say what you want i feel better when you say things when you feel them and that kind of early alignment meant that uh, it's always been an open uh, open relationship with the investors saying there's no second guessing this is very clear i like it i don't like it uh, and there are enough times when i actually have taken the feedback gone back and said you know what that's the right thing that you suggested so another value of this disagree commit that we have stand up disagree commit so uh, i'll say that in the end ultimately like it's not about uh, what you want and what like investors want depending on the business you choose for example going back in time i don't think i could have bootstrapped a food delivery business in india right the moment you don't bootstrap you're tying other lives of stakeholders like investors along with it so you have to understand that it is not all about you only but this doesn't mean that you do stupid things from a mission standpoint or a um, consumer standpoint and display a lot of short termism but you're not alone in the journey uh, anymore and i actually think that there is a trade off between bootstrapping a company and taking this thing there are many you know different things right in food delivery let's assume that nobody else came up uh, one morning and said let's do food delivery this whatever we would would have still taken probably i don't know 40 years but we were able to see the fruits of this impact in 7 8 9 years admittedly even after like spending a bunch of cash but i think the impact is there to be seen you've changed uh, along with your peers how a company uh, goes a country goes about uh, you know you know their their food so for me that is the exciting part and then there comes with trade on a net basis i think i'll uh, be happy about either so i actually don't have you know any regrets about like hey i wish i took the company this way if it went for the investors it's more tactical things where you start having disagreements so that way maybe i'm blessed vishwani i hope that answers your question absolutely thank you we'll take two more from nishtha and vishaka i think who have questions two very different questions but nishtha <clears throat> you have a question on pivots so do you want to maybe unmute and ask your question Hi Ragini, hi Harsha. Thank you very much. Uh yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm uh, traveling so my camera is off, but my question is actually quite straightforward and it's something I'm struggling with right now as well. I think how do you sort of kind of find the balance between staying true to your conviction, staying true to your vision, staying true to the process that you believe will get you the result versus realizing when it's time to pivot? and i think you know you get advice on both ends some some everybody is always telling you to stay true to your conviction and everybody gives up one day before one day too soon and you hear these quotes right and then on the other end you hear uh, a lot of you know advice on you must keep trying new things and i feel like that balance is very hard to hit so how do you do that any suggestions on that harsha yeah so there's no one answer nishtha so it's a great question i think mostly uh i think getting closer to the truth is what is most important and the truth sometimes might be that your idea doesn't work how do you get closer to the truth i think a lot of people have talked about it have their own articulations like ray dalio v dastings jeff bezos they all they all have different articulations but you know the one thing is basically strong opinions weekly held so you you have to have some pointed views on anything uh firm enough to get going on it but you have to be very actively disproving yourself um based on the opinions of people who you can learn from or smart who've seen other different things etc so i have only yeah i actually don't have a history of following my conviction right? because like i said i followed i explored four things and in each of those four i actually decided that uh, i shouldn't be doing this either because i felt it myself or uh someone else told me uh, and that made sense with bundle we met um, you know uh, great you know leader who um who we pitched anyway because he was working in an ecom company and he was a college senior so i thought okay this, i thought he'll say hey this is interesting great etc he said this is a terrible business you should get out of it and then i asked why and uh, then he just told me to put down a few numbers to make you know do a penny drop moment for myself so i went put those numbers and then i looked at what lay at the bottom in terms of the profit opportunity and then i said shit that's a horrible <laughs> business i shouldn't be doing this and um, so thankful to him because otherwise like i said with the misleading traction i may have believed that 
listen i think i need to just make this 10x larger so and that answer is true for anything it's not just for pre pmf or pivot even as the company grows there's always uh, views that you have about hey this is how the world should operate but honestly the world doesn't operate on our terms uh, every time for us because we put a lot of new things out there for the consumer and we get humbled like 9 out of 10 times with stuff that doesn't work uh, so it is just important to do your bit but be very clear when things aren't working so i don't have a great answer so uh you just need to be really really eagerly looking to get closer to the truth and stop trying to prove yourself right that way i think you will make much fewer mistakes thank you thank you that helps cool uh, we'll take one last question from mm-hmm. vishaka before we head to the struggles and then we'll take some more uh, vishaka you have a question on 0 to 1 versus 1 to 100 do you want to unmute and ask your question yes i do hey harsha uh, first firstly really appreciate the candor so far it's been a really really fun enriching session so thanks for that um the question i have is you know honestly in your opinion or in your learnings what is the biggest difference according to you right in building a 0 to 1 business versus a 1 to 100 and i'd like to kind of hear up your opinion on two fronts right one is obviously as an entrepreneur and the second is possibly also as someone who's probably working at an organization that's maybe in the you know in this transition phase as well i think that will add a lot of value for a lot of people here too hmm got it so as an entrepreneur uh like i said even earlier i answered that rapid fire question so early stage building any day and uh i actually still do a lot of zero to ones if not like a new business directly always yeah. thinking about new opportunities to do something like, like even a zero to one on talent management principle or a zero to one on uh something else and that actually feeds me energy to do the scaling stuff all of you know career like success i think is about energy management you have to make sure that there's enough tiramisu as i call it on the plate to deal with what you think is the salary steak i'm not a big fan of salary steak so so uh, and i keep thinking about how to make sure that uh, you manage these things well so for me um the, most of my managing scaling etc has come on the back of mostly hiring leaders and continuing to tune into overall patterns metrics seeing how things work things don't i think the other one is a very interesting question when you talk about people who are working in a 0 to 1 or just 1 to 10 versus a, a 100 to 1000 in when you are so when you're so small ppmf and 0 to 1 fundamentality is a given it will be very hard for people to not have fundamentality in the beginning because just because of the state it's one is the people who they are etc but i find that most people not just people who have intrinsic motivation when they are thrown into a situation when their role is undefined uh when everything is boundaryless that just there is something like super empowering about such a uh, such a such a situation that just makes it so much more easier so the founders can uh just feel like everyone is uh just doing their best like going out of their way to make stuff happen that stuff is harder to recreate as it scales someone is hired for a designation someone is director customer service someone is avp operations so boundaries are set so to figure out how to stoke that fundamentality in that context uh is a harder one and that then you'll have to re- resort to the other parts of the job like thinking about the mission thinking about how the culture is how what is the impact of your work but i do think there are two different personas in terms of people who get very excited one by the early stage this thing it's a very different game from the scale game where most of the scale game is actually about being able to replicate something that works in one place and doing it in in our case 5000 zones that is the name of the game and turns out that there are so many people who get excited by that stage of the journey yeah. Yeah, so it's not i guess one person's uh view of the world so it's a very the, the kind of people uh does does change so i think it's uh, definitely worth keeping an eye out for vishaka built zomato and cred in the past so i'm yeah. sure she's missing the 0 to 1 uh but thanks for asking your question uh, vishaka 
we will now very quickly pivot to struggles. I had to use the word <laughs> to the struggles, of course, that that come with startup building, right? And you spoke a little bit about scale <clears throat> culture. Um, I'm I'm gonna throw it right there, right? Like, what's the one biggest challenge with rapid scale, and how did slash do you uh, combat it? No, I think the one biggest challenge was the the complexity that I talked about. Since we covered it briefly, I thought that was the biggest mistake that um, I'd made to underestimate how much. And honestly, these are things that you don't realize in the moment. Uh, and maybe because I felt some, some kind of overconfidence for sure, saying that no matter how hard we tried, we couldn't make enough mistakes in the first five years. Then you believe that uh, maybe you, you have a rigged casino uh, in your favor and it doesn't work that way so even when there were early murmurs saying this is not working things are getting slower I, I don't think I was paranoid enough the first time I heard it I was like they should figure it out themselves but I think it cost us maybe a year year and a half and then combating itself has been another uh, few quarters to really tune into where this is getting created and thinking about mechanisms to undo it, just making it easier. How are your org? How's your org designed? Um, how do how does let's say product get built? Who owns goals? Do you have like a single threaded leader who owns everything? Therefore, because there are small small things, right? Culturally speaking, is also a very democratic, collaborative place. We encourage people to speak up. Yeah. Sometimes it encourages people to hear their own voice. That means that there are meetings uh, where everyone just is contributing, but stuff doesn't move ahead and. Uh, that meant that we had to devise a mechanism saying either we can choose to be just brutally top down and uh, autocratic or say we like this part. How do we figure out uh, how to unlock speed, given that this is how we want to operate for the longer run? And then you say, OK, what do you mean? What does this mean? Is the org designed properly? Is there a single thread early? We lost you briefly, but I think you're back now. OK. So yeah. Yeah, so I guess it was mostly about that first from denial going into acceptance and then really figuring out the mechanisms. And the answer keeps changing, I'm assuming. I'm sure, yeah, of course, of course. For me now, at least I'm 10x more paranoid. So whenever I hear the first instance of, oh, but this is getting harder, I'm all over it saying, okay, tell me more. What the hell is happening and what should we do? So I actually used to treat all of this as the not exciting part. Um, of building because then you're not building right you're figuring out process mechanism all of that yeah. now I just see it as so indispensable to the mission that I magically like tricked myself into getting very excited about solving complexity it is a it's a very exciting problem so it, huge hugely foundational to allow the company to run you know with or without me for longer period of time with you hopefully for long uh, i'm actually gonna segue into competition on that yeah. note yeah. Uh, sorry no no no. yeah i said yeah. let's go yeah so i was saying how did you adapt to the challenges of course of the food delivery market and i know there are many and actually stay ahead of competition over the years and of course there is zomato uh, there was food panda there was tiny owl from what i remember uh, back in the day right so, so does that affect you? Does that not? And there are always two, two sides to the coin, right? Like from a very, I don't spend any time on it or I, I care about it. So, no, yeah. So for me, I'm not religious about this. Hey, like we are not competition obsessed. We are consumer obsessed and stuff like that. To the extent that you're using it to learn on behalf of the consumer. Because if there is someone who is a really, really good competitor and are changing consumers lives for the better uh, in their own way then I think it would be stupid to try to wait because then you're not doing right by the consumer again mm. because we're not doing enough for them so I yeah I think um, competition I don't know yeah, we like I, I, I say this a lot of times we were born in the middle of a war I don't know of any other time we were the last company in the first food delivery world war and I don't think we had any reason to even exist uh, given how delayed we were how large some of these folks were at the time and they, they could have easily trounced us uh, 
luckily they didn't so i think that is in itself a blessing we got on out we managed to get even this far and then you go through the ups and downs you're up some days down some days whatever but um, i think uh, on a net basis especially in categories with fewer players like two players fiercely competing etc uh, it is actually a duopoly or a three per three player all of these are uh, closely linked each each actions impact the others etc so it's you cannot even operate your business sometimes uh in uh, you know different market structures just yeah. like uh, this thing so uh we learn a lot we learn a lot about what we could be doing differently but it it informs our choices copying everything is also stupid right then you don't have a this thing of your own so it's all about like learning what is working if you can veritably tell that consumers love what xyz are doing then you just say okay then i think that's the answer they're voting with their thumbs got it no no i i i agree uh, partly <laughs> but uh, of course building Tell a company more. what don't you agree with um i would say for me in a very 0 to 1 uh, i don't care too much about it uh, but i think beyond a certain point i feel like it's very important for me to also stay ahead of the curve and with a mission like ours of course as many oh, companies as possible to create right okay. Yeah. Right. when you say staying ahead of the curve for example for the first 3 years we stayed ahead of the curve by probably being only people to take the owned delivery very seriously yeah in fact the only from... player because correct, others correct. are that, doing different things correct, yeah correct that's exactly yeah. what i mentioned that we got that early advantage because i think we were a lot more religious about that inside than others now i don't think that came because we said we want to stay ahead of competition right i think it was just our view of the world and we just obsessing on behalf of the consumer now there is staying ahead of the curve in terms of tactical okay you do this i'm going to do this or you know what is the promotional battle i'm going to do some marketing i'm going to go think about like partnering with restaurants a lot more strongly all of that but the real big shifts happen not just in a bid to uh, get ahead of competition they have mm. to be some inspired moves that come from i don't know happier place uh, thank you for that but of course building a company harsha is not easy at all right like um like in in 3 years i can tell you it takes a toll i think physically mentally emotionally personally everything and of course you've been at it for a while uh what were your toughest moments right like personally and how did you kind of pull yourself out of it and of course there is one responsibility which makes you have to keep showing up but right. uh, yeah what was your lowest point and how did you come out of it yeah so the lowest point was uh, probably in the first wave of covid 2020 2020 i think uh, we were just coming out of the what the largest investment cycle that we've ever done because there was the food delivery was like i talked about i think i think we did very aggressively spend in that phase and then we had like derivative businesses like the cloud kitchens or the uh, private brands business that were built on top of this business and just as we were finishing that calendar we were suddenly presented with uh, 10% of our existing volumes then i just even though part of it was my mistake part of it wasn't i just couldn't help feeling how how could i not be the stupidest person on the planet and uh, that led to a lot of imposter syndrome issues for maybe a good couple of quarters i wondered if i should escape before people find out that like a fake has been <laughs> running the company and i would just be yeah it was the first time this that that scale honestly if swiggy died in 2015 that wouldn't have affected me because i was like odds are this you were yeah. never meant to like only 1% of folks anyway succeed so i was i could have been objective about it but when you actually have a trajectory that yeah. i felt was actually too good to be true then you go 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 you start you know going on that journey and then boom from 30000 feet someone just drops you like this onto the floor and they're like shit what the hell just happened here and that was probably the biggest inflection point then i for some time i thought that okay maybe i'm not meant for business forget entrepreneurship i need to figure out some other way to use my energy and um, yeah like i what i so there all of these monkey mind issues and i needed to figure out how to 
solve them. So multiple things helped at the time. Of course, my family, wife, son uh, were like great support. Outside of that, I had tried things that I maybe a, a 10 year earlier version of myself would have questioned very, very deeply like art of living at the time. Just as a judgmental college kid who just has no happy-go-lucky saying, like, what is this? Uh, but I actually really gained from slowing down my mind. Mm. Just doing basic meditation, like some breathing exercises, just, just staying still. And, uh, and actually at some point, things got so bad that I felt like now I, even I can fix it. <laughs> Funnily enough. Even normalized for that imposter syndrome. So all of these things funnily brought my confidence back. And then I said, okay, hang on, what's the worst that can happen? I yeah. feel like I can fix this. So let's do this. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that and actually keeping it so, so real. Um, I'm. We have five more minutes and I know you have a hard stop at eight. So we're going to very quickly take two more questions from actually the chat box. <laughs> uh, Natasha, do you want to ask your question? And I know it's very relevant to current times, but you can maybe unmute and ask a question. Hi, Harsha. It's been amazing um, being on this call and interacting with you. Um, Harsha, my question is, what is a, um, a concern or a problem or a challenge that um, Swiggy is dealing with currently that keeps you up at night? So these are very topical yet. I think uh, there's no such current broader theme that is worrying me. Maybe, yeah, so I don't have a great answer. It's a very business focused thing, but next week it may be a different one. I'm, maybe let me think a little bit more. Probably um, the, the places where I think the deepest right now are around talent management. Mm -hmm. Another area where we lucked it out in the beginning and then realized that you can't luck it out forever. So for me, thinking about the quality of the bench, thinking about, you know, are people in the right, are the right people in the right job? Are we make, building the mechanisms to separate away the super high performers from the not is, I guess, the, maybe the next half, half a minute I'll take for context. In the beginning, Swiggy was, I think, a lot like a pretty brutal sports team because anyways we were fighting death every quarter so we there were no time for anything else saying okay if this didn't get done then this just didn't get done and there was no time to uh, bother about anything and i think uh, finally we survived but just didn't feel like we were going to be around for too long if we continued that way we got a lot of strong feedback and then i flipped to the complete other side and became all heart, warm, fuzzy family, everything is tolerated. It's not your mistake, it's mine. And sometimes that uh, lowers the standards for performance in the company also. Then I realized that, okay, of course, we're not a family. People are going to leave when the company is going south. I'm going to be fired from my job if I'm not doing well. We, the only excuse we all have to be working with each other is performance. This is a company. So I, that's when I said, okay, then there were parts of both sides that worked. So our talent mantra now is like building a sports team first with a heart uh, and to, yeah, that, that talent mantra, this thing, that talent uh, part is what keeps me up on most, most days. Yes, please. A shout out to. Shout out to Reed for sure. And Divya, okay. actually, we'd love to take your question next. I think it's something that's keeping all of us up at night. So why don't you go ahead and unmute and ask your question? Sure thing. Thanks so much for this platform. And it's been really interesting to hear your insights, Harsha. So yeah, I mean, that this is the thing I think that's keeping me up at night and a bunch of other peers in my network, which is how long is this startup winter going to last? And when are we going to see the weather changing? Of course, month on month, we are seeing more and more companies with their layoffs and just overall strategies changing. And I think it makes young professionals like me, very, very apprehensive of our next moves or what we're doing. So what's your take on this? Um, no, when will the, can you ask me the first part of the question? When will the startup when winter? Will, when, when do we see the startup winter dying out a bit in India? And what For is it? At least because it yeah. never dies. Yeah. I think we are going through a massive correction phase. Most leaders um, have made judgment errors. 
because of like people talk about on Twitter zero interest rate periods that accelerated all of this, and there is a massive correction. And but I think as the correction completes, there will be. I think there is more and more activity, right? Once the this phase is out, everyone's choosing the hard calls that they have to. And I think very few companies, the ones who actually don't have the runway, that which would have happened even in a previous world, will have some trouble. But otherwise, I think once the correction is sorted for, I feel, uh, I don't think it's going to be about more uh, cuts and more this thing. I hope so, uh, but there's nothing that points to like a many year issue or whatever. So now I would say that the folks that I speak with are still optimistic, saying that we did get ahead of ourselves, but it doesn't look like uh, it's here forever. I think it was a correction, a one-time correction that had to happen. And just like cycles, I think uh, there, will be, there will be another phase not too far out. If we didn't believe that, then we wouldn't be doing things anyway, right? So you're asking like, irrational optimist's <laughs> answer, but even for that, like, I don't think it's going to be too far out. It isn't. Thank you, Divya. And with that, uh, we're at time. It's been so amazing to hear from you, Harsha. I think I speak for all of us here uh, when I say that the last 60 minutes were so real and so candid. And thank you for keeping it as is.